It's time to think about the Bible like you never have before. This is Christian Questions. After this episode, go to ChristianQuestions.com to check out other episodes, Bible study resources, videos, download the CQ app, and more. Today's topic is, Does Biblical Truth Really Make Us Free? Part 2. Coming up in this episode, whether we're a Christian or not, life has a way of putting hard and traumatizing experiences directly in our paths. These traumas provoke reactions that are often destructive. In this episode, we finish telling the story of one Christian man and his journey through deep hardships to find true freedom in Christ. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Welcome, everyone. I'm Rick. I'm joined by Jonathan, my co-host for over 25 years. Jonathan, what's our theme scripture for this episode? John 8, 31 and 32. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. In our last episode, we spoke with Howie Clare from New Zealand. Howie's life had forever changed when his wife of 12 years up and left him with no explanation. To try and help him cope with his profound sorrow and loss, his son suggested that he listen to some Christian podcasts, and that's how he found us. He not only became a listener, he also reached out to us through our website, which led us to meet with him by way of Zoom and begin studying with him. All of this led to several other changes in his life as his hunger for and enlightenment through scriptural truth drove him to many unforeseen steps and life decisions. Howie went through such deep trauma. Instead of blaming God for his troubles while his whole life was falling apart around him, he drew closer to God. By God's grace, he had his pastor and also a close friend who were there for support and helped him cope. I was so moved, Rick, to hear the details and how vulnerable he became by sharing his experience, and I am thankful to call him my brother in Christ. Yeah, you and me both. It's a very, very powerful, powerful story. Folks, you really want to hear part one to get those details. In part one, we heard Howie's story dramatically unfold, beginning with the experience of his wife leaving him. We listened to the challenges he faced on a very personal level and on a spiritual level. We heard the small steps he took as he learned to cope with his hardship and to focus in on changing the direction and landscape of his life. In this episode, we're going to focus in on some of the important details of Howie's story. As we begin with the spiritual challenges of his newly acquired scriptural understanding, we want to be reminded of our theme scripture. And this is the theme scripture we used for part one because this, it, it shows us this story unfold. Jonathan, let's go to John 8, 31 to 32. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. There's so much in this short text. If you continue in my word. That's the first thing. It's not enough to just hear it. You continue in Jesus' word. That's what helps to make you a disciple. That's how you actually learn what the truth is, and that's how you find the freedom from truth. 
all of these things have to be working together, and Howie's story is a great example of these things happening. So we, we told much of his story in part one of our series. Part two, we're going to begin looking at some of the, 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 the details and, and the how-tos of the things that he discussed in part one. Now that you've crossed over to a point where I know what my life is truly about and I'm moving forward, what were the most striking matters of biblical truth? The top three or four, whatever it is, the most striking matters of biblical truth that provoked you to living your Christian life in such a different way. The first one for me was tithing. I was such a believer in tithing. You know, God will reward me if I can show my faith by you know, parting with 10% of my wages. And look, it worked. I was doing this and just money was flowing in left, right and center. Yes, it works. This is great. And so I would be telling people about how important tithing is and, and all these sorts of things. So that so that was definitely one. The other one was hellfire. Will God really punish unrepentant sinners and treat Christians to a great luxury in heaven? I must admit, in hindsight, that always bothered me, even before I learned differently. I was interested that no pastors would ever preach about hellfire. So you've been to several churches, and yet hellfire was not a subject that was presented from the pulpit, but was definitely a doctrinal basis. Yep, it was the uncomfortable truth of the Bible. Um, Let's not dwell on that, and let's just keep praying for all those sinners out there that they'll um, get right with the Lord. We never know what happened in those last few seconds of their life. When I was a boy, maybe about nine or ten, I used to have these really bad nightmares, and they were really dark. It was just these voices, these like this. I I would hear these voices, and they were dark, and they were all around me. I'd wake up, and I think what they were was this was my manifestation in my dream life about what I was hearing about hellfire and believing about hellfire, and I did not want that for me. I'm going to make sure that I'm okay with God. I used to think about if I was in a plane and it went down, you know, why don't you just give your heart to the Lord just before you hit the ground and all these. So I remembered having these thoughts in my life and it was all to avoid hellfire. So there Heaven a sounds good, but big, man, yeah, hellfire big, sounds terrible. So Big fear factor there. Big, big fear factor. Yeah. So you come to the hellfire realization that it's not taught in Scripture. It was the biggest comment you made on the podcast that I almost had to pull over and say, you said what? And it was a caller talking about hellfire and you said very gently, look, we just don't believe the Bible teaches that. I was floored. How on earth can you say that when the Bible (laughs) clearly teaches hellfire? I know know all those women weeping and gnashing of teeth scriptures and all all these sorts of things. And that was a big one. And the prosperity gospel, although I didn't really know what that was at the time, just the idea that God wants Christians to do well. I mean, what father wouldn't want his children to prosper and look after them? And, and, you know, he really looked after the Jewish people as well, and they continue to prosper financially. So that's all good. So I believed that was something that, well, with my new learning, that's not quite squaring up. And this is my fourth one, the, the workings of the Holy Spirit. You know, we talked about healing, but also speaking in tongues, the so-called gift of prophecy. And, you know, we had had visitors to the church that claimed to have these gifts and there was a part of me going okay 
this is in the Bible, so it must be true, and the pastor has endorsed you, but kind of got some questions about what you're doing here, the, the lack of healing, the prophecies are so vague, and, and the speaking in tongues thing, being prayed for and being slain in the spirit. This was kind of like a common thing. This happened several times during the year in our services. In fact, you would get trained on how to do that. And so half of my brain was struggling wait, wait, with wait. this. You'd the get, other half, you'd get trained on how to do what? Be slain in the spirit? Being slain in the spirits to, to pray in tongues, to all those wow. sorts of things. So, it took, and of course, later on, I learned that a gift is given to you. Yeah, you yeah, don't go I know. It's not a trained us. thing if it was a gift. Okay, all right. I didn't know that. I didn't yeah. know there was training involved. And, and remember, brother, that their hearts are in the right place. Absolutely. They wanted to do the right thing yes, by the yeah, Lord. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was in the Bible, so it must be true. So, mm-hmm. but I embraced these things, but I, my new learning was that, hey, look, learning to question these things. And then the last thing, and probably the most important thing, was just what's this whole deal with God and mankind? You know, why did He create us to be so flawed, only to condemn 99.9999% of us and the most horrific future in hellfire? That does not not sound like a great plan. Sounds rather sadistic, actually. And why on earth would I worship a God like that? So these were the, the, the five main things that I was I was really struggling with. And we actually, we studied all of those things together. We looked at those things and I was privileged to just watch you just blossom in your understanding and be able to see how the scriptures connected and see when you put things in context and you saw the big picture, how God's plan is a plan of salvation for all. And this reminds me very obviously of 2 Timothy 2, 15 and 16. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as workmen who do not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth but avoid worldly and empty chatter for it will lead to further ungodliness. So the apostle is telling this to Timothy. This is the last thing the apostle is writing before he's going to die. And he's telling Timothy, be diligent, study the word, make it your own, accurately handle the word of truth. And how he was just watching you grow into wanting to, and then learning to, and then applying it. It's been a tremendous, tremendous blessing. Can I just jump in there? So accurately handling the word of God, I interpreted that as accurately listening and respectfully listening from the pew of what your pastor was saying. Interesting. And I'll take responsibility. I was lazy. I was just listening to it. He's a man of God. If he said it, he's gone to Bible college, for goodness sake. So who am I to question this? And it's just too difficult to see whether he's right or not anyway. These were the sort of beliefs I had within me. And so uh, the easy path was just to listen and absorb it and accept it. And sadly, you and I've talked to a lot of other Christians in mainstream churches and they do the same thing really. They don't sit there and debate and robustly interpret scripture and all those sorts of things that I love to do now, of course. And look, is this really true? Is this really what this passage meant? If this is true, then what do we do with this scripture over right, here? Because right. we're going to be in trouble over there. If we're solving one problem but creating nine problems over here, shouldn't we be concerned about that? No, we don't have to be concerned about it. We can just ignore it. And so that was kind of the life I was leading as a Christian, but not anymore. Well, wow, that, that's a lot of stuff right there, Jonathan. <laughs> Rick, I really appreciate how diligent Howie was to study the truth on these matters. And with you, I might add, he really searched the scriptures and the truth set him free. 
It did. And it was such a great experience to watch the awakening and watch the questions and then go through the study and see it all. You know, I, I appreciated so many things he said. We don't want to get into all these individual doctrines, but just really quickly, like on Hellfire, he said, you know, that's the uncomfortable truth of the Bible, the one nobody wants to talk about. This is the word of God. You should want to talk about the whole thing because this is the destiny of humanity. You know, the working of the Holy Spirit and, and having to be taught these gifts, it's just a plain and simple contradiction. So as we go forward, we've got all of these things that we're awakening in terms of scriptural truth and understanding. It comes down to accurately handling God's word. And you remember what he said, in his mind, that was listening respectfully. Yes. Well, scripturally, though, that's not what it is. Let's take a look at Acts 17, verses 10 to 12. The brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea, and when they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. Now these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great earnestness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things are so. Therefore many of them believed, along with the number of the prominent Greek women and men. Well, Rick, these Jews had such a spiritual hunger to prove or disprove what they were being taught by Paul and Silas. They sure remind me of Howie challenging the things he believed his whole life. And the point is, we're all supposed to do that challenging. We're supposed to dig into the scripture to see what it is actually teaching us so we can see what is actually being meant, what the message actually is from God's word of truth. So accurately handling God's word is a work that Christians need to be engaged in. Why? So we can understand what's coming. First Peter chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lust, which wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. Now, Rick, I had to look up that word visitation. It's not a word we often use. And in the Thayer's Greek English lexicon, it means investigation, inspection, ways, deeds, and character of men. So the point is, everyone that ever lived will be in the day of visitation, the day of judgment, and will remember and learn from those who lived in a Christ-like manner so that they too can glorify God. And that's the point. They glorify God in this day. They don't yell and scream and torture and pain and suffering. They glorify God. This is what the scriptures teach us. This all helps us to see the bigness of God's plan, and that's the road that Howie had to walk. He had to walk this road to see the bigness of the plan. First John chapter 2, verses 1 to 2. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. He's the satisfaction, the propitiation, the satisfaction for the sins of the whole world. Those are the things that drew Howie to say, wait a minute, let me hear that again. And what a thrilling experience that was. So, Jonathan, finding freedom in biblical truth, what do we have so far? 
To continue in Jesus's word is to absorb the message of all scripture willingly and enthusiastically. Why all scripture? Because Jesus is the central focus on the entire Bible. Knowing the Bible as it is meant to be known is to continue in and absorb Jesus's own words. And Rick, Jesus said, continue in my word and the truth will make you free. Well, that's exactly what Howie did. He is free from the flawed traditional way of looking at things. That freedom took work, took effort, took study and fellowship. That's what we want to focus on. Learning what the Bible's true message is, is one thing. Living the Bible's true message is a lifelong process. Knowledge and understanding inevitably brings responsibility. What does this responsibility require? True acceptance of responsibility will invariably bring decisions that lead to specific actions. How he's growing an understanding of how the entire Bible teaches us truth created a paradigm shift, a changing of thinking in his life. No longer do you hear a verse of scripture and just accept it in the way that feels comfortable. No, 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 not now. Now you find the way that scripture is meant to be applied and you learn to conform to it. I'm looking forward to how Howie applies just that. Well, and that's where we're going next, because now he has to deal with the things that he has learned that are in contradiction to the things that he had previous learned, previously learned. So let, let's listen to what happens. With all of these realizations, and this is taking, you know, over a period of years now as you are really, really developing in your, your study habits and so forth, what was it like to talk to your pastor whom you highly respected, and tell him that you were actually going to be leaving the church. I mean, that had to be just a hard, hard thing for you. Yeah, well, first of all, there was more than one conversation. Um, so he likes coffee, I like coffee, so it wasn't <laughs> hard to get together for coffee, and we would have these chats. But we had a prior discussion, the fact that I was writing a book, and I was so excited about it, and I wanted to share this book with him. And so this book was called The Corrupted Gospel, Are Christians Supposed to Tithe? You know, that was something I felt passionate about. It was also probably doctrinally one of the easier topics I could have covered. I write books as, as part of my businesses, and but they've all been business books and secular books. So this is my first shot at doing something based around Christianity. So I was so excited to learn this stuff about tithing. And to be fair, a wee bit upset and angry because I'd believed in it. And I now discover that it's actually not taught in the Bible. But on the positive side, very keen to share this with others. So I sat down with my pastor and, and shared with him about my thoughts on tithing and, and gave him a copy of my book. And, oh, boy. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Oh, boy, all right. Oh, boy. <laughs> he was, yeah. Look, in his defense, he was patient and he listened to me. Wonderful man. Yeah, yeah he was great that way. But he was upset and he didn't like it. It forced him to confront everything he had known about the topic. And and that was obviously very challenging. And I, and I get that. I mean, I had done that to myself as well. So I understand how, how difficult that can be. Um, but I remember an interesting comment he made to me. He said, Howie, I, I don't want you to produce this book. And I said, why? He said, because if you do, churches will be closing down. 
Interesting. Uh, and of course, his rationale was because people would stop tithing. And I really love the fact that he thought I was such a persuasive author that I would have <laughs> that sort of sway amongst the Christian world. But, but you know, he was fearful for his church. And I remember going away and just feeling a little disappointed that is that really the question you should be asking? Should the question not be, is this scripturally taught? Is this what God really wants us to do? That really should be the, the guiding thing. If, if churches are closed for that reason, well, God will take care of that that's not a license to just go and do whatever we want to do so he shared it with his associate pastor and uh, we had another meeting and it became clear to them that they didn't want me writing these books they knew i was writing one on the side about healing and hellfire and uh, <laughs> they wanted to discourage me from doing that um, not in a horrible way but, and not in a threatening way but they were sort of saying look you're gonna have to stand before god one day and, and answer for spreading all these lies are you willing to do that so when they talked to you about that did they did they frame it as, look, you're going to have to stand before God with these yep. lies? I mean, was it was it that straightforward? I, I don't think they said the word lies, but okay. it was certainly the, you know, and, and they're right. I mean, we do need to stand before yes, God for yes. what we've said um, and what we've believed. But in saying that, you better make sure that what you're believing in is truth and what the other person is saying is actually lies. And there was a part of me that felt like saying, and have you asked yourself the same question? Mm. Uh, because I'm only just embarking on this journey. You guys have been preaching from the pulpit for the last 20 years of course i didn't say that to them that would just have been just cruel but that thought we should always if we're ever going to put a burden on anybody else and think we're justified in doing so we better be willing to put that burden on ourselves as well so i wasn't surprised by it i wasn't discouraged by it and i've had many of these conversations with other christians where they have a different point of view hey look I felt exactly the same way as you sure. do. I believed in all those things, possibly more than you did. I'm tithing especially. Man, I was I was just a proponent for that. If I was going to write any book, it was about why we should tithe. Yeah, so yeah. the fact that I wrote a book to the exact opposite is quite a transformation, I guess. So, But look, I love to know the truth. I love to study. I hate being out of the truth and believing in something that isn't real. And that was why I became a Christian, when that eventually dawned on me that there is a God and he loves us and His Jesus is the way, then it was an easy decision once. You know, I didn't want to be blinded to that. Yeah, so that was that conversation with the pastor. And, you know, we were still friends. Let, let, let's pause here just for a moment, okay? Let's just pause here for a moment because it's important to just get a sense of what is happening, what was happening, and so forth. And I love Howie's willingness to talk and figure it out. His attitude is full of honesty. He's saying, let's talk about these things to get clarity on the scriptures. It's not about him. It's about God's word. And that really is the core. The truth will make you free. When Jesus is talking about the truth, he's not talking about physics. He's talking about biblical truth. That truth makes us free. And you're right. The, the principle that comes out here is that as Christians, we have been shown that we need to be able to talk things through. We need to do that on a biblical basis. And, and that reminds us of Acts chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. And this is when there were very, very grave uh, disagreements in the early Christian church about bringing the Jewish law and circumcision and all those things into Christianity. Acts 15, 1 and 2. Some men came down from Judea and began teaching the brethren, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. 
when Paul and Barnabas had great dissension with and debate with them, the brethren determined that Paul and Barnabas and some others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders concerning this issue. Why? So they could talk it through. That was the key to everything. Work it through according to Scripture, according to what they knew. Let's continue with Howie's story. But I was still attending the church at that time. And and then the next difficult conversation, of course, was not going on the ministry trip. So I guess it was no surprise when we had to have the conversation about, uh, look, I'm not churching with you anymore. I'm not attending the church anymore. And by this stage, he had known about the time I'd been spending with you and listening to the podcast and all those sorts of things. He did the pastor thing and, and warned me about wolves and sheep's clothing and yeah, okay. <laughs> all these things. Yeah, which he should be if he's concerned. Sure, but sure. he didn't take he didn't take me up on your kind offer, which I think he should have, which was to sit down and talk with him because I know you would have been more than happy to field his very difficult and challenging questions. Sure, sure. But sadly, he he wasn't, and and that always struck me as, as something interesting and odd. Here, I've got one person willing to do that, one person not willing to do that. But anyway, I had to sit down and and have the conversation with him. So this was a real chance for me to redeem my cowardice from not telling him about the real reason why I didn't go on the healing uh, trip. I'm ashamed to say I failed this time again. (laughs) I chickened out a second time and I just couldn't bring myself to tell him. But basically that, look, I just don't believe what you're teaching is the word of God and I can't sit there and listen to this anymore. I didn't do that which was wrong of me. Uh, I should have found a way to have said that. And I just basically made up some other minor excuse that that I was unhappy with the church. And yeah, maybe one day we can have that. I'm a believer that the other person needs to be ready to hear as well. You know, I love the guy. I still do. I'm still trying to keep in contact, but that's been a one-way thing really with us. I think he's trying to keep his distance from me. I'm in a position now where I think I, I could have that conversation with him, but I would ask his permission. Are you, are you willing to have a hard conversation in love as a Christian conversation? Are you willing to have that? Again, for the listeners out there, when you've got to have these difficult situations with people, you've got to make sure you're handling them in a godly way according to Scripture. You know, would God be pleased with you what you did, whether it was to say something or not say something? And you, Because that's our ultimate goal, your will, not mine, Lord, and because it's not about me. That wasn't easy because I knew I wouldn't be seeing those people anymore. I'd miss out on the fellowship sure. side. And as much as I enjoyed my time with you, our fellowship together in person was was so limited to, to just my trip to America. And, you know, I remain, you know, I missed that. Yeah. I missed that. And, about, and that's a big, that's a big but, void. It really, really, truly yeah. is. No, yeah. no question. I've considered that part of my sacrifice, though. I'd much rather be in the truth and faithfully follow God's word and not have that fellowship than the other way around. Well, we, you know, we're working on that. <laughs> yeah, we're working on that. But, you know, it, it, that reminds me just just the, the, the tone of having to make that choice and that decision. Again, this is about freedom in Christ, truth making you free. Romans 12, 9 to 11 says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. And that's really where we want to be. And, you know, sometimes, like you said, we don't do it perfectly. We don't maybe step up as high as we should, but the Lord understands our weaknesses and he understands when we say, Father, I'm sorry, please forgive me through Christ. And he does give us that new lease on life to say, go ahead, get stronger, get better, keep going. I appreciate Howie um, in the way he left his church by showing dignity and love. You know, that takes a lot of maturity, Rick. It does. It does. And the 
wanting to cling to that which is good because you see it in scripture he he held back though you know that dignity and love that's forbearance that's part of the the fruit of the spirit that's something that's so important to hold back because it is the right thing to do you can accomplish things without beating others down you accomplish things by standing for that which is gracious let's look at the Apostle Paul when he was leaving Ephesus and knowing he would never see those brethren again what did he focus on in his essentially in his last words to them Acts chapter 20 verses 26 to 30 therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves men will arise, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. The key is that Paul declared the whole purpose of the gospel and didn't leave anything out. We need to be very careful to keep the purity of the message. We do. The purity of the message is everything. It's too easy for us to corrupt it because we become comfortable with something else or somebody else. We need to get back to the word. The truth shall make you free. Not your best friend. Not your associate. The truth shall make you free. When we focus on biblical truth in the purest form, we will find it has enormous, enormous importance. Jonathan, let's look at Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. This reminds me of the parable of the hidden treasure found in Matthew 13, 44. How he searched and found the treasure, the good news for all, and it's burning within him, and he can't hold on to it. <laughs> so you, you've got to let it out. And again, folks, I urge you, if you didn't listen to part one, please, please do, because you see the story unfold with all of the challenges that he had, and this is the process that he learned that actually helped him cope with those challenges. You know, he's writing books. He's driven by biblical truth. It's a wonderful thing for somebody who admittedly said, hey, I was lazy. I just sat and I listened. But he learned that being a true follower of Christ is much more, much bigger than just sitting back and listening. So Jonathan, finding freedom in biblical truth, what do we have? There are many varied requirements if we truly want freedom in Christ. One of the repetitive requirements is that of action based upon biblical understanding and truth. To be free in Christ is to absorb his word and then to continually live those words. This continual input and output of absorbing and living releases us from living under the dictatorship of sin and into the liberty of Christ. So you can see the continual input and output. It's a process. Freedom in Christ is something that we absolutely need to grow into. So we've heard that we are to practice what we preach. Everybody's heard that before. That's true. But let's not forget to 
live what we learn. Truly knowing God's truth provokes us to action. How do we proceed when the action required focuses on emotionally charged issues? Good, good question here. True freedom in Christ can only be attained and maintained when we apply it to every part of our life experience. Now, while Howie's journey toward this full freedom was exciting and revealing, it was also challenging. He would have to face the experience of his wife's abandonment with the same new paradigm, with the same new thinking process that was leading him through his other experiences. Rick, it's one thing to stand up for doctrinal change, but it's another thing to deal with personal trauma. It is, and that is such an important aspect of this whole thing uh, as we uh, look through and under, try to understand what's happening and what, what we need to see happening. So let's get back to uh, Howie's story. You had to walk away from one place of being, and you've walked into this other place of being. So what kind of experiences did you begin having as you began refocusing your Christianity? I know you mentioned writing the books, and I know that was a really big, and still is a really big part of who you are. That is a way to express your understanding of truth and to be able to potentially witness to whomever will pick it up. That's a big part. But what else? What other kinds of experiences did you begin having? And I want to ask you if it's okay to go back to looking back at your experiences with your former wife and, you know, your view now versus then. During all this journey, I'm still coping with, you know, the biggest loss of my life. And, you know, she lives not far from where I live. She works not far from where I work. So these the possibility of bumping into each other. And I mean, it faded over time, but my hope that, that we would reunite and God would work a miracle, you know, was, was there. I, I was still having to cope with that. And it was very difficult. And so, you know, I was still thinking about her and um, my feelings towards her. And, you know, of course, there was anger, there was bitterness, there was resentment, confusion, mainly love, though. I still loved her, still do, but not as her husband, obviously. So I had all these feelings that I had to deal with. Then on my side, it was, well, this isn't fair on me. And then what about me? And am I going to find somebody else? And am I going to live the rest of my life alone? And so these are real fleshly issues, right? This is my flesh calling out to me, which we can't escape, but it's what you do with it. And because of what I'd been learning and understanding God's greater plan for mankind, oh man, it just put this all into perspective in an incredible way. I certainly don't want to come across as as if I'm making light of anybody that's going through a tough time. But the trials and tribulations we go through in this life, they are such a tiny speck of what God has in store for us for a much longer time. I kind of knew that in my head before, but I really get it now and how that works with what's going to happen on the other side of heaven, uh, which I, to be honest, man, I knew nothing about before. Honestly, I know you've mentioned this on the podcast, but yes, I literally believed when we die, we, we go straight into heaven, sit on a cloud and all is good. Okay, I've got to try and understand why singing hymns all day is going to be fun, but I'm sure God's <laughs> going to make it fun. That, that was my perception of what's going to happen for eternity. Of course, I think a lot differently about that now, but I guess when you suffer a loss like I did and others I'm sure have had even worse tragedies in their life, the thing you really struggle with is the fact that it doesn't make sense. 
why did this happen? If it had a purpose, that would make sense to me, but it seems to be senseless. And that is a struggle for us, and it was for me. But of course, now I know differently. There is sense to what I went through. God has used it and will continue to use it. I can be a blessing to others in this life because of what I've learned and what I've gone through. It gives me a wonderful opportunity to exercise grace and love towards my ex-wife and her family and to not hold bitterness towards them. It helps me to put aside thoughts of revenge and and getting back and and gossiping and all these sorts of things. That isn't pleasing to God in any way. And he's shaping my spiritual character, my godly character. How can I embrace that but still hang on to those thoughts and feelings? That The two are just completely inconsistent. Let's just pause here again for a quick moment and get a sense of what Howie just talked about. Howie's realization that without this tragedy, there would have been no closeness to God and the understanding that comes along with it. That's a big deal. That's a, that's a big deal. He, he put the tragedy into a perspective. And what, what he's going through now is really helping us to focus on how we live the truth in such trials. And the first thing really that he talked about is using an eternal perspective rather than a, and a, a how I feel perspective. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 4, verses 16 to 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So the apostle is saying, whatever hardships we face is nothing compared to eternity. You're right, but that's so hard to get a hold of and to make work, especially when you're in the middle of something, a new trial, a new abandonment, a new trauma. It's so difficult. So another step, another part of this is absorbing the mission of our calling and how he was alluding to that. And let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 to 19. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, He has committed to us the word of reconciliation. So this ministry of reconciliation, this word of reconciliation, is this process of making right the things that were wrong. That's a hard process, and that's what the training of true Christians really is all about at this point. So, so Jonathan, when we're going back and listening to what Howie was saying, let's, let's recount some of his, the emotions that he expressed, especially in part one. And again, folks, if you haven't heard part one, please go back and listen to the story. What, how did he describe himself? Well, he felt shock, surprise, disappointment, fear, pain, confusion, sadness, shame, embarrassment, despair, and guilt. And he was working on fighting against depression. That's a hard task. And when any of us have trials like that, it's a hard task. But what we want to do is take this experience and take the concept of the truth making us free and put the two together and say, there is a process. There is a pathway through. Let's get back to Howie's experiences. 
But once I saw the sense of that, that man, she left me, but there is a really good side to this. And of course, and I've shared this with you before, one of the greatest and immediate blessings of her leaving me was that we wouldn't be having this conversation if she hadn't. You know, I've asked myself several times if God took me back in time and said, look, this is the way this is going to pan out, um, but I can stop this. I, you can keep your wife, but you will not discover all these things about my word and the truth. Or I can allow you to, you won't have your wife back, but you will learn these things. Which path do you want, Howie? Look, I honestly think the answer is door number two. As, as much as I loved being married and, and loved my wife and all those sorts of things, my desire to know God's truth and to obediently follow him in this life and the next, that has got to be the greater calling for me. I'll, I'll gladly place that as a part of my sacrifice to him. Jesus was nailed to a cross. How his wife left him. Look, who am I to complain? Hmm. And so, yeah. That's a very sobering, sobering realization. And the way you just put it, Jesus was nailed to a cross and my wife left me. Who am I to complain? You know, James 1, to 25 says, But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. It comes down to learning to live the truth. See, that's what makes you free. Knowing the truth doesn't mean just an intellectual, okay, it's in my head. It's knowing it so that it permeates through you and you live it. James continues, for any man is a hearer of the word and not a doer. He's like a man who looks at his natural face in the mirror. And once he's looked at himself and gone away, he's immediately forgotten what kind of person he is. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer. This man will be blessed in what he does. And Howie, what you're describing is being a doer of the word of truth, and that's where freedom comes from. And to be able to look at that tragedy that broke you in pieces and say God's hand and God's providence was over that, and I have been given this tremendous, tremendous, tremendous gift of being called up higher and being given the truth of God's word. It's a wonderful perspective, and hopefully listeners can look at that and say, wow, there's something so precious here. There's something so high and so lofty here. It is really an amazing thing. Again, it's difficult. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes study and focus and prayer and fellowship, but it can be done. A couple of more of the points that Howie expressed in his dealing with the abandonment of his wife. The next one was stepping out of our past and into our present. We get so stuck in the past, but he's saying, you know what, we have to step out of it and live in the present. Philippians 3, 13 to 14. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The reality is you can't press forward if you're holding on to what's behind. Howie was able to let go and he found closure. And what Howie is experiencing here is the grieving process coming to its highest culmination. He started with denial, then anger, then fighting against depression, and finally acceptance. And he goes beyond acceptance by wanting to help others that are stuck like he was. Now, that's selfless love. And, you know, you said that he found closure. Well, there was no closure in the actual experience, but he found closure in the grace of God through Christ and the word of truth. 
that's a big deal. That's what we want to do and understand and be as we grow into the freedom of Christ and the truth shall make you free. That's what it means. And all of this comes down to embracing the character of a true disciple of Jesus. And when you think about that, I, I often go back to Galatians five twenty two to 24, the, the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Those are easy words to read. Well, I belong to Jesus and I've crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. But would I say the same thing had I gone through that kind of experience that had no physical closure to it and say, I'm with Christ? Or am I still stuck going backwards? If you continue in my word, that's what Jesus said, you will know the truth, you'll be my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. It is the continuing in his word that teaches us to find things on a higher level. That's what freedom in Christ is. So Jonathan, finding freedom and biblical truth, where are we? Living in the liberty we have in Christ will completely change the way we respond to our challenges. This change is an elevation from earthly reactions to spiritually driven responses and only works when we see things through God's eternal eyes and are immersed in our mission and walk in Jesus' footsteps. It's so important for us to see things through God's eyes. Now, what do God's eyes see? I can't tell you that. So how can I tell you? To, well, look through God's eyes. What do they say? Well, I'm not sure. Here's what I know. <laughs> okay. Here's what we know. What we know is God sees the big picture. God sees the end from the beginning. God sees that if you're a true follower of Christ, he'll not give you anything beyond what you can handle, but will give you things that will draw the highest spirituality out of you. Those are the eyes that we have to look at our experiences and see and say, okay, there's something here I can hold on to. As we're watching the spiritual growth progress, it's becoming even more obvious that there is undeniable power in biblical truth. We know the end result of faithfulness to Christ is a heavenly reward. But what about now? What results should we look for? As we're seeing Howie's story to develop, it's obvious that gaining true freedom in Christ, true freedom that comes from Knowing God's truth is a long process. Because this process is uneven, meaning parts of us develop further and faster than other parts of us, because it's uneven, we want to be careful to be patient as we progress, always being thankful for God's faithful guidance in our every day. So Rick, you're saying it's a matter of overall development since we all have to handle our unique progress over time. It is. It's overall, and the progress is not balanced. It's not even, and that's okay, because we're human. You know, Jonathan, it's an overall progress. Freedom in Christ is not an injection, that you get this injection, you're like, whew, I feel good. Freedom in Christ, rather, is a developmental regiment that needs to be worked on and developed and, 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 and practiced again and again and again. So let's go back to Howie's story and see 
a little bit more about where is he now in his Christian walk? I asked you at the very beginning, Howie, how would you, you know, describe your Christianity beforehand, before the big changes? Let me ask you the same question, but fast forward to here and now. How would you now describe your personal Christianity? What is your prayer life, your study life, your daily life look like? What is Howie's Christianity look like today? I guess if I had to describe the contrast, it is the fact that beforehand, I'm not sure somebody looking from the outside would see a difference between my life and yeah, as a Christian and a non-Christian. Yeah, apart from the Sundays, yeah, and the Bible study. Apart from that, pretty much the same. Loved all the things of, of the world and so on and so forth. Conversations were about the same things: sports, and business, and stuff like that. Family. But now that's changed and my life isn't my life, my, my own life anymore. It, it belongs to God and everything I need to do is pleasing towards him. And of course, the flip side of that is that, man, when, when you stumble, it, it kind of hurts a lot more now. You know, this is God's life. This is God's time. And I really haven't used it diligently. That sits more heavy on my heart now. You know, this is part of the sin offering, of course, that we have to pay in, in this life is that our conscience is, is not seared. It is much more sensitive to these things and you know, I'm not sure anyone would describe me as a humble person but you know I know when I sit down in my quiet time I see myself as very flawed um, but also wow you know I'm on a journey you know yeah, I've got yeah. some wins under my belt and uh, I've got a lot of work to do um, but man I'm looking forward to that work and I've got people wise brothers and sisters in Christ who can help me through that and get me through that and me with these struggles and it's such a joy in the Lord so you know I get upset with the people of course and don't understand why they behave a certain way but my my tolerance is growing of that look they just don't know what I know uh, you know their time hasn't come yet to mm-hmm. walk righteously in the Lord but it's gonna and that gives me a lot of hope um, I've lowered and lowering I've got a long way to go in my expectations of other people and trying to not look at the speck in their eye but look at the log in my own and don't be judging them you You've got so much to work on yourself. That'll keep you busy for a long time. um, (laughs) Amen. And so that, that gives you so much joy and so much peace. You know, we've been blessed in our family not to have lost many family members, but I lost my brother-in-law two years ago, and that was very, very painful. My parents died a long, long time ago. I lost my brother-in-law two years ago, and two days ago I learned that my niece has died. And oh, so, my goodness, I didn't know. Way, way be- yeah, way before her time. And, and, you know, that's a struggle for anybody. Now, with what I know, you know, it's not the end of their story. And my brother-in-law or my niece didn't know the Lord. So, but their story hasn't been finished, you know, and there is hope on the other side of the veil for them. And I know that they will embrace the knowledge of God and, and walk in his ways and their eyes will be open. And that's going to be joyous to, you know, be walking on the highway of holiness with them and, and helping them in that journey. That's a beautiful thing. And so we don't have to grieve when we've lost loved ones like that or feel guilty that we didn't reach out to them in this life and be worried that they're being roasted in hell by a God we're supposed to love who's loving and forgiving. You know, we don't have to worry about those things when you know the truth. Amen. And so to that extent, your scripture is the truth has set me free from those sorts of thoughts and fears and concerns. All right, let's pause again just for a moment as we look at Howie's story, because he's laying out what's different, and we want to just absorb What's different? And and there were there were three three points, Jonathan, that that he talked about here. That again, let's put to scripture so we as listeners can say, yeah, this is how I can apply that. And I think the first point that he brought is out is our lives are not our own. 
And he was very clear on that. And of course, that's what the call of Christ is. We know this from Romans chapter 8, verses 34 to 35. We'll pause there and then we'll go to 37 to 39. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather, who was raised, who was at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us, who will separate us from the love of Christ, will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? So what's going to happen? What can possibly get in our way? That's what the apostle is saying. And he's putting some pretty big, pretty big deterrence in our way, you know, like tribulation, distress, like persecution, like famine, like sword, like life and death. These are things, he says, that can be put in our way, but do they stop us? Let's go to verses 37 to 39. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What a great comparison. You put all those physical things and say, are they going to stop us? And the apostles answer is no, because we have the love of God through Christ. We have the Spirit of God through Christ. We have these things to help us stand for that which is important because our lives are not our own. Just like Jesus, you shall know the truth, and the truth sets you free. So that first point, our lives are not our own. The second point that Howie alluded to is that we are on a journey. Let's look at Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Freedom in Christ is not an injection, it's a developmental regiment. The process of transformation is not an instant. It's I'm saved and I'm good. It's now I know how I need to learn to walk, to follow in Jesus' footsteps. The renewing of our mind, you shall know the truth, and this is what sets us free. The third point that Howie mentioned is that those around us really don't know what we're privileged to know. And that's an enormous thing when you think about the truth of Scripture. And, you know, he mentioned, you know, the, the death of, of, of some relatives, and his, his response was, but it's going to be better later. Even though they weren't believers, it's going to be better later. First Timothy 2, 3-6. to For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. To be testified in due time, to be explained, to be exposed, to be put out there so it's understood in due time. This is what we believe in because this is what the scriptures say. And we can have hope for those who don't believe. That's one of the big things that Howie has learned and has been so transformative in his experience. So let's go back to Howie's experiences, and let's now wrap those up. And again, folks, before we go back, we urge you, listen to part one. Listen to how the story unfolds and develops so you can really appreciate 
what's happening here in this second part. So life is very different for Howie Claire at this point in time. And we look back on all of your experiences with tremendous, tremendous gratitude, both of us. Uh, you know, Howie, we've, we've gone through all of these things and you have gotten to know several other brothers and sisters in Christ outside of me who have just been so incredibly supportive and helpful and powerful in your life. And there's just such an overflowing and uh, that's, that's what the body of Christ is supposed to be. That's the freedom in Christ that we experience. As we wrap this up, one final question. If you had just one thing, just one thing, now I'm going to I'm, I'm gonna keep it to one thing, brother, okay? Now I know you like to push the envelope on these things. If you had just one thing you could tell our listeners, what would it be? One thing. You're right, Rick. There are so many things yeah. I could share, but if you limited me to one, yeah. I guess my heart is to help people. And the idea that one person out there is struggling breaks my heart. If they're broken, whatever their situation may be, I would love to see them relieved in that. And the greatest hope I can give to them is it's only in this lifetime. The bigger picture, God's plan for you and for everybody else you know is just so incredible. This time of pain and suffering and loss will seem like nothing and you can get through. In fact, is this adding another one? Part, part B? Oh, see, is, see, you, fact, can't, you can't do it, can you? <laughs> you got to sneak it in there. In fact... This pain is for your good and for the good of others. There is a sense to it. There's a beautiful blessing that comes with that. And you are going to be such an encouragement and a support for others on this side and the other side of heaven. So that is what Paul meant by embracing these these difficult times. And because uh, it always seems strange to me, how can I be thankful for hard times? But when you understand this complete picture, yeah, that makes sense to me. I can endure the suffering and rejoice in my suffering because God can use this. Yeah, he has for me. He has for countless others. He can for you too. Thank you, Howie. Thank you for sharing your story from before, the, the trauma, the trial, the overt sadness and grief, the discovery, the determination to walk the path, the glorious uncovering of gems of truth along the way, the learning to have courage, the learning to stand for those things which are simply truthful according to scripture, and the embracing of what true discipleship is, what it means, and how it absolutely transforms each and every one of our lives if we let God through Christ do that. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. God bless you, brother. Thanks so much for sharing with us. What an amazing story. What an amazing story. You know, and, and, and he ends with, forced to end with one thing. And this one thing that he mentioned is, all of our pain is ultimately for good. There is a purpose for our pain in this lifetime. Revelation 21, 3 and 4. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more pain, neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Who would ever want to go back to pain and sorrow? Nobody. Right. And that's the point of experiencing it. Because we see that pain and sorrow and suffering and death are a result 
of rebellion against God's ways. So you see it, you experience it, you watch it, you feel it, and then it's removed and you say never again. Why? Because what's the other alternative? Loyalty to God, loyalty to his way, loyalty to his truth, loyalty to his word. That's what we are here to learn. And that's the freedom that the whole world will come to. But right now we're talking about for Christians, that's what we're looking at, the freedom that you find in biblical truth. Jonathan, our final finding freedom in biblical truth, what do we have? What is the end result of true freedom in Christ? We want to not only have a heart for God, we want to live a life for God. We want to have a faith that not only enables us to feel differently about the hardships of life, we want to have a faith that drives us to be different as we face those life hardships. So it's not about how you feel, it's who you become. Howie Claire is showing us how to walk through that transition. And that's a hard transition to walk through. And, and Jonathan, you and I both know Howie very, very well. And yes. he's just like, he's, he's like a, a, a long, long time brother, even though we've only known him for a few years. And to be able to have the courage, as you mentioned before, to tell a story that's so difficult. And why did he tell it? His response when we asked him was, do you think it'll help anybody? And the answer was a resounding, absolutely. You just have to be, have the courage to say it. And he said, I'm in, I'm in. And that's really what we want to see. Last time, Jonathan, John 8, 31 to 32. If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. That's what this is about. Folks, it is so important for us to learn and to understand the depth of freedom that comes from the depth of Christianity that comes from walking in Jesus' footsteps, understanding and working on learning the Word of God so we can walk appropriately in His footsteps and live up to a level that we never thought possible through God's Spirit and His Word. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Think about it. We love hearing from our listeners. We welcome your feedback and questions on this episode and other episodes at ChristianQuestions.com. Coming up in our next episode, am I playing the social status game? Am I playing the social status game? We'll talk to you about that next week. 